welcome back to my love letter time machine. Hi, I'm Ingrid Birchall Hughes, and I'm serialising the love letters of my great-great-grandparents, Fred Shepard and Janie Warburton. Travel 140 years back in time with me now, where we take a look at Victorian history through their eyes. And today, Fred and Janie try and firm up who will be their bridesmaids and best man for their wedding. It's all hands on deck at the Cross Keys as they get ready for the Handsworth Feast and Flower Show, and our Fred decides to go on an adventure up Rosebury Topping, in which he narrowly avoids killing his silly self. The outstanding issue of who is to be best man is at last resolved. Fred finally gets a reply from Fred Johnson, and also one from John Mies. But first, we start with the matter of bridesmaids in this next letter of Janie's. She also mentions that her gloves have mysteriously gone missing. Given what happened to the perfume that Fred bought Janie, I'm wondering if those gloves may have gone the same way. Has Emma taken them? Despite Janie, am I being too suspicious? Hansworth, August the 23rd, 1882. My own darling husband... I intended giving you a nice long letter last night after I had sent the other one, but could not, as I had to attend the bar. I heard from Carrie this morning. She wished to be very kindly remembered to you. I wrote last week to ask her to be a bridesmaid and to come for a week before the wedding. She is sorry to have to decline both, but will come perhaps the day before the wedding as a guest. It will be just a year in October since she was here. Carrie has only had one letter from Annie in Australia since then. You remember that new pair of gloves I had on when you were here, love? Did you take them with you? If you remember, I gave them to you to put in your pocket, and I thought you might have got them, as I cannot find them anywhere at home. I am not sure, but I think you took them out again and put them on the room table, but I thought perhaps you might have taken them up again, and I had better ask you. I should like to know what made my father seem so decided about not giving me the piano. Directly I asked him, he said no. I did not say another word. I felt so very disappointed, because I felt so sure of getting it. I shall get to know if our Emma has said anything to him. I think you went to him in the right manner, love. And never mind the money or furniture, we shall do very well without either. I do know, love, that you are not marrying me for money. Ours will be for love, won't it, darling? We do love each other. It would be very nice to be near our house for some things, love, but I am very pleased to go far away for others. We shall have nobody to bother us then. I am sorry Betsy Frith cannot be at our wedding, love. I should have liked to have all my old friends together on that day. I think Fred Johnson is very silly to be drawn in by anybody the engagement will be for life, and I should prefer to choose my own wife if I was him. I believe in anybody choosing for themselves, love. Don't you? I don't think I should have taken the fire irons if you had not told me I was not to take them, because I always said I would not take anything that belonged to Emma, and I intend to keep my word. I know what she has said about the other things she has given away. We should be almost compelled, as you say, love, to ask her if we let her give us anything, and she shall not come to see us. You must knock yourself up, my darling, with working over, but you do keep late hours, love, at any time. 
We shall stop all that when we are married, because late hours do not suit either of us. It will be agreeable, love, to go to bed at half past ten. I think that is just a nice time. I am very glad you enjoyed your outing to Yarm, and also your swim on the way. Have the blisters gone off your very horny hands, love, and the stiffness out of your bones. I shall be very pleased to have a country out there sometime, love. We shall not always want to go to Redcar. I will be so good, my darling, if you take me next summer. I am glad you are going to all the places, so you will be able to take me to see them, as you say, love, to relieve the dreary monotony of our married life. Very dreary we are expecting to be, are we not, love? I am afraid my letter will be rather short this next week. I wish it was over. We are busy packing up the things today to put in the stable, and Mother is wanting me to help her. So, love, you must please excuse me not giving you a long one. Oh, darling, have they sent you word from home about young Fletcher? He was taken ill on Friday night. I mean the one you used to call Adam. He died on Saturday morning about four o'clock. It was a sudden thing, but I suppose he has always been delicate. I remain, my darling husband, till death us do part, your loving, true and faithful wife, Janie. Royal Exchange, Middlesbrough, the North Eastern Steel Company Limited, August the 25th, 1882. My own darling wife, I received your letter dated August 23rd this morning. I expected it yesterday, love, from yours that I received on Wednesday. I wrote you on Wednesday in reply to that letter, but I cannot find from this one received this morning that you have received it. Did you do so, love? Kindly remember me to carry, love. I am anticipating seeing her at the wedding. You said you asked her to be a bridesmaid, love. Do you intend having more than one? Has she not heard from Annie lately? She must have missed the mail, or else the letter has miscarried, for she must have written more than one if she is at all well. I remember the gloves you speak of, love, but the last thing I recollect was putting them on the room table out of my pocket. I do not think that I took them up again, love. Never mind about the piano, love. We shall be able to get one, I have no doubt, and there will be the satisfaction of buying it ourselves. I am glad you think I went to your father in the right way, love, for that is more satisfaction than having any money, and there is no doubt whatsoever, love, but that ours is a marriage of love, for we really do love each other, my darling wife and I. I think Fred Johnson is very silly to be drawn into an engagement by his relations. I think with you, love, that people should choose their own partners for life, of course, if there are objections, they might be explained and then the parties left to make up their minds. I had a letter from Fred this morning in which he says he cannot attend. First, because it would be a great expense coming from the South. And second, he has a school examination near that time and could not possibly get holiday then. He begs us to accept his warmest and most heartfelt wishes for our happiness. He says that it was lucky he went to our house or we should have had two dinner services and wishes us to keep the door open for knives and forks for ordinary use, which he will send to our house before the event comes off. I thought I had better mention this, love, as somebody else might wish to do the same thing and then you can get them to alter it if necessary. He also says that it will be about two years yet before he follows my example. I also received a letter from John Mies this morning. He says he had heard that it was going to come off. I suppose Ted will have told Pantons. 
He says he feels highly honoured and will be pleased to appear in that character of best man. He also says he thinks it is a wise step to take, in which I agree with him. He says his mother has had a bad fall in the garden yard and cannot do anything, and his fiancée, Miss Haversage, has been keeping house for them for three weeks, which must have been very pleasant, I should think, for him. He concludes with sincerest wishes for our future happiness. I hope you will not think, love, that I am filling my letter with extracts from others, but I thought you would like to know all about them. The blisters have gone out of my very horny hands and the stiffness out of my joints, love, except in one joint which sometimes is very stiff, and which I expect will be so until you come to take the stiffness out of it. I expect your letters will be short next week, love, but I must put up without my darling for once. It will be the last time, you know. I have not had a letter from home lately, love, so did not hear about young Adam's death, nor did I see it in the paper. I am very sorry. It must be a severe blow to his parents. I must close now, love, as I have the board minutes to draft out, and it is now eight o'clock. I remain, my darling wife, your loving true and faithful husband, Fred. P.S. Do not omit to tell me whether you received a letter yesterday morning, love. Hansworth, August the 26th, 1882. My own darling husband, I received your letter this morning for which I thank you. You should have received one from me on Thursday, not yesterday that I promised. It must have been delayed on the road, because it was posted here on Wednesday in time. I received yours on Thursday morning all right, love. I have not been very well this last week. I think I got a cold last Monday, but feel very much better today. The feast is very near now, my darling, and will soon be over. Mr Glover is coming for the flower show. I wish I could see you then, love, but of course it would be another expense, and we cannot afford it now, love. We shall have to save all to bring us the sooner together. It is only six weeks on Thursday to the happy day, my husband. I know you cannot take me away, love, before October, and I am going to bear everything bravely until then. It will not be long then, my darling. I shall only have my husband to please, and I think I can please him. I have not found him very hard to please so far. I'm so sorry I cannot give you a long letter tonight, but Father is swearing because I am writing this, and six people happen to come in the bar. I will tell you more when I can on Monday, if possible. I love you more than ever, my darling husband. I remain... Your loving, true and faithful wife, Janie. In Fred's next letter, we get to hear all about his outing to one of the crown jewels of the North Yorkshire Moors. Rosebury Topping is a sandstone mound 1,050 feet above sea level, from the top of which are far-reaching views across the Cleveland Plain, and on clear days you can even see the North Sea. Tradition has it that these tantalising glimpses of the sea served as an inspiration for Captain James Cook, who lived in the area as a young lad. 
When Fred and his friend Phillips climbed it, it was a distinctively conical shape, but in 1912, a partial collapse left the peak with its now famous jagged appearance. This was possibly due to a geological fault being aggravated by local mining. Consequently, it's been dubbed the Yorkshire Matterhorn because of its now asymmetric shape. The hill presides over an area of landscape that the Vikings named Cliffland due to the hilly nature, which obviously evolved into its modern name of Cleveland. They originally called the hill Othenesburg, one of the few place names in England dedicated to the Norse god Odin. Over the centuries, the name has gradually changed from Othensburg to Ohensburg, Unsbury, Oosbury, and finally Rosebury. The walk that Fred took from Rosebury Topping to Captain Cook's Monument has remained popular to this day and takes in the wild moors and patches of woodland. The monument itself is a 60-foot-high obelisk that was erected in 1827. It bears an inscription that is a fascinating and somewhat uncomfortable snapshot of past attitudes. It's full of unapologetic colonialism and language we wouldn't dream of using today, and it reads as follows. In memory of the celebrated circumnavigator Captain James Cook, FRS, a man of nautical knowledge inferior to none, in zeal, prudence and energy superior to most. Regardless of danger, he opened an intercourse with the Friendly Isles and other parts of the Southern Hemisphere. He was born at Martin, October the 27th, 1728, and massacred at Aldi, February the 14th, 1779, to the inexpressible grief of his countrymen. While the art of navigation shall be cultivated among men, whilst the spirit of enterprise, commerce and philanthropy shall animate the sons of Britain, while it shall be deemed the honour of a Christian nation to spread civilization and the blessings of the Christian faith among pagan and savage tribes, so long will the name of Captain Cook stand out amongst the most celebrated and admired benefactors of the human race. If you go onto YouTube, you'll find lots of people have recorded their vlogs of their days out doing the very same walk that Fred did, and I have had fun in virtually walking in Fred's footsteps, but none of them contain the drama that he seemed to encounter on his own adventure, which he describes in this next letter. Albert Terrace, Linthorpe Road, Middlesbrough, August the 27th, 1882. My own darling wife. I received your welcome letter, for which I thank you. Your letter of Wednesday must have been delayed on the road, love, because I did not receive it until Friday. Did you write on Thursday as well, love, as I only received one on Friday? I suppose from that you did not. I am glad you received mine on Thursday, love, as it is not pleasant to have letters knocking about the world for anyone to read, especially ours, my darling, which are only meant for ourselves, you know and which would perhaps surprise most people if they could read them, as no doubt your Emma would like to do sometimes. I think I should be very careful, love, not to leave any in the dresses that you pull off, because it is evident that she is thoroughly unscrupulous about looking in your pockets, or she would not have found out that other unfortunate letter which has caused so much trouble. I am very sorry to hear that you have not been well, my darling, this last week, because you will have a very hard time of it this week. 
It must have been getting cold on Monday that caused you to be so ill. It is evident, love, that you require me to look after you, for you did not catch many colds when I was with you. I suppose it would be because we were generally close enough together to keep one another warm, and so kept off the cold. I am glad to hear, love, that you are better, and hope that you will keep so, as you will want all your strength to keep up through the trouble and annoyance of the feast week. You must take care of yourself, my darling, for my sake, and not do too much, and so knock yourself up, for I shall want you, you know. Mr. Glover told me he was coming over for the feast. I wish I could come over for a few days, love, to see you, my little wife, but it is no use wishing, because it can do no good. Besides, it only wants six weeks, as you say, love, and then we shall be happy, perhaps more so with being separated for so long. Don't you think so, darling? I know my brave little wife will try to bear it a little longer, and then, as she says, she will only have her own husband to please, and I know she will succeed in doing that, to her satisfaction and also of mine. I am sorry that you were so busy that you could not give me more, but I know, my darling, that you would do if you had time, so I must make up for it by giving you more than usual, for I know you like to read my letters, and perhaps will be even more pleased this week, because it will be about the only source of satisfaction to you, all the other will be thankless hard work. I am so sorry, my darling, that your father felt it necessary to swear at you, and on my account too. I am afraid you have got into lots of trouble and bother for poor me, love, but I will try and make up for it to you, my darling, when you are my wife. I think I can promise that I will not swear at you, for how could I swear at my loved one? I had a very enjoyable outing yesterday. Phillips and I went by train at 12.55 to Hutton Gate, which is perhaps seven or eight miles from Middlesbrough, on the Gainsborough line. The Member of Parliament for South Durham, Sir Joseph Pease, lives there and has a magnificent house with a carriage drive opening onto the station platform. From there, we walked through the woods to Rosebury Topping. You will remember Rosebury Topping is the hill that comes to a sharp point that I showed you from the park. It is very steep, but there is a beautiful view from the top, which is well worth the trouble of climbing. We rested on the top a little while, and then made tracks for Captain Cook's Monument, which is on the other hill opposite. We can also see that from Middlesbrough. You will remember it. It has a column on the top in memory of Captain Cook. We had quite an adventure going from Rosebury Topping to Captain Cook's. We had to go down the side of one steep hill and up another, and there is no road, but you can generally get there easily enough. But yesterday, with the heavy rains, the brook at the bottom of the hills was very much swollen, and it was quite impossible to get across. So we had to cross higher up by means of a fir tree that had been blown down, and which had fallen across the stream. This fir tree was very slippery, and in going across, I slipped and fell and should have gone to the bottom, but I caught hold of a branch and held myself up. If I had not done so, I should have fallen about thirty feet through the brambles and twigs into the water below, but fortunately I escaped. Imagine me hanging over the dangerous and deadly gulf. And here, Fred has helped our imaginations along as he has dashed off a fabulous sketch of the incident. 
He's drawn the gorge with the rocks and the water below and the fir tree lying across it, tapering to a point on one side. There is a branch sticking out at an angle and from it is dangling the silhouette of a man, arms and legs akimbo. I've put it up on the My Love Letter Time Machine Instagram so you can see it. Fred continues. After crossing the bridge, we stop to admire the beautiful flowers of all kinds which grow here and then toiled up the hill to the monument. There is also a beautiful view from the top of Captain Cook's, but we could not see much just then as it came on very thick, which obscured all the surroundings. We then went on to the top of the range of hills for about a mile and then came down the hill through the Kirkdale Woods, which are simply grand. You come down about half a mile through a thick fir wood until you get to the bottom, where there is a broad level grassy walk by the side of a stream, on which there are several waterfalls. On the other side of the stream is another wood which starts from the banks of the stream. It was beautiful, I think far nicer than Warncliffe, except for the crags. After going about a mile on this walk, we came to Kildale Village, which is a little village surrounded on all sides by the hills and woods. We had tea at the one public house, which had not a soul in except us. We had tea in the best room, which was something like your club room. We had a very good tea of ham and eggs, and then went out to look around the village. It has about twenty houses in it, and a very nice church. There was a man in the church cleaning, so we went in and had a try on the organ, which is something like Treaton organ for size. After we had finished with the organ, we went down to the station, which is on the road to Whitby, and got to Middlesbrough at about 7.30. Mr Cooper left yesterday morning for his usual round, and asked me if I would sleep at his house until his return, to take care of Mrs Cooper and the servants. I went up last night, and am going up tonight and tomorrow night. Fancy me, the defender of the helpless. He has a beautiful house, and the bedroom I slept in was the nicest I have ever slept in. I think it was simply complete. I had breakfast this morning with Mrs Cooper, and am treated quite as an honoured guest. She asked me when I was going to be married. I told her October, and she said she was very pleased to hear it, as she was sure from what Mr Cooper had told her of his experience in lodgings that I could not be very comfortable. She is very nice and free. I like her very much. Mr Cooper also keeps some good bottled beer and cigars, which I can now be the judge of. I think it is very good of Mr Cooper reposing such confidence in me, don't you, love? I should like more than ever for us to live out at Linthorpe, and am determined we will go there or else to Redcar when we get nicely established in the place. Until then, we must put up with the town. I shall have to close now, love, as it is post-time. I remain, my darling wife, your loving, true and faithful husband, Fred. P.S. 1. Mrs. Cooper hoped that you would make me a good wife. I told her that I was sure you would. She said you would if you cared for me, which is indisputable, is it not, my darling, about your caring for me? 2. Shall we want any oilcloth for the floors, love? Because Phillips, being a merchant, gets good commission off and would give me the benefit of it, and we should get the stuff about half the shop price. 3. I intended giving the children something when I was over, love, but it quite slipped me. I enclose it for them. Will you please give it to them for me, wifey? As being the feast, I suppose they will want some money to spend. 4. 
I love you, my darling, more than ever, and I'm your own Fred. Well, Fred, are you ever in with a boss? This is fascinating. I wonder if not only was Arthur Cooper wanting to make sure his wife was okay, after all, this wasn't the first time he'd travelled away from her, but perhaps wanted to get Mrs Cooper's opinion on Fred? At this time, Arthur Cooper was the managing director of the North Eastern Steel Company and was endeavouring to get the whole venture built and operational by the following year. Fred hasn't just become someone Cooper can rely on in work hours, but is perhaps becoming a bit of a right-hand man here. There was only ten years between them, so I'm wondering if an emerging friendship has a role to play here too. I've actually found a picture of Arthur Cooper online. I think it must have been taken when he was a bit older, perhaps in his 50s or 60s, rather than the early 30s he must have been at this time. I'll put that up on the Instagram too. Next time, Fred has to adjust to the new secretary at the works, and Janie, bless her heart, is swamped. Almost literally, we're supporting the Hansworth Feast and Flower Show in miserable weather. Thank you so much for listening to my Love Letter Time Machine. I'd really like to get the podcast up the charts a bit more, So if you haven't already, could I ask you to leave a review on your podcast app if there is a space to do so? It really helps with the algorithm. And I'm still putting excerpts of Fred and Janie's letters on Instagram at mylovelettertimemachine, all one word. And you are very welcome to write to me at mylovelettertimemachine at gmail.com. Until next time, take care.